0: The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at
1: RealTheUnderdog. Welcome to another episode of Create Your Shot. I am Tyler Laurie and I am joined as always by my co-host in the city of brotherly love, Chris Smalls Angelos. Smalls, you said this was the worst Monday of the year for Sunday Scaries. I'm sorry, yesterday was the worst Monday of the year for Sunday Scaries. Are you over them? Uh, yeah, of course.
0: I mean, I just think it's just the the first year. You, you kind of empty the tank week one. Uh, as a fan, uh, you're gearing up all year for it. And then you empty the tank on Sunday. And even Saturday, you got a little college football. So... Of course, when you exert all that effort and give everything you got, you're drained Sunday night. And all you can think about is, what do I have to do to, for work? What did I neglect this weekend that I probably should have done to get ahead of time? And then you get into work and you're like, hey, I got this. I'm cool. I have a, a cup of coffee, uh, schedule a couple of meetings, and you're ready to go. And you're all good. Uh, it's just a, it's a rough morning. It's a rough night. It's when that Sunday, football, Sunday night football ends. You, you get a little worried and then you remember. Hey, I got two Monday night games. I got a little
1: Phillies baseball too. I mean, it's all good. I can't complain about it. Yeah, like one of our uh, former guests, Marquette assistant coach Dwayne Killing's told us as long as you can always answer the bell, you can you can sort of overcome anything that goes on. Like you said, football's back. So, uh, that means Bavada Sportsbook is back in our life small. You know, we had a full slate of NFL games. Pretty excited to see uh, if the Dolphins are just going to be you know, a hundred point dogs at some point by the end of the year. I, I was fortunate enough to kind of, I, I'm not going to say that I was like, oh man, Lamar Jackson's amazing. Like I, I've never been on that train, but I, I was pretty on the train of like the Ravens are going to be pretty good. And the Dolphins are actively trying to uh, field the worst possible team ever in any sport. So, you know, that salvaged a little bit of the Bovada balance yesterday, but you know, I think other than that, smalls. It was just it was fun to kind of have football back. It makes it feel like fall. And I think as if we're checking John Rostein's Twitter account, there's only you know October 15th is is right around the corner. Because and, and we know that based on the fact that football starting and it's September baseball. And I think we're excited. And this week on the show we have uh, Mike Makabika, the associate head coach at Florida Southern. And it was a fun interview, man. Like a guy that had gotten recommended to us as. funny guy and a guy that uh, does a really good job down at Florida Southern and has done a good job in the NE10 up at uh, Southern Connecticut and I I think he's someone that we really kind of vibed with early on but also you know a guy that was really introspective and kind of talking about like his journey and and just I thought someone who seemed just genuinely happy to get to do what he does every day and you know this was a guy who was a landscaper before he was a uh, hit a master's and he was working for a landscaping company before he decided to be a college basketball coach so it's it's one of the more amusing stories that that I think we've heard. As a, like, how did you become a basketball coach?
0: Yeah, there's there's a reason he got recommended to us. I think number one, uh, what an interesting ride he's had, being with Donnelly and turning around programs left and right and different situations. Right, he talks about Southern Connecticut being, uh, you know, a two and two win team two years in a row right before they got there, and they went through turning that program to a national contender, uh, you know, re hosting the regionals. I remember the year I was working at Philly U, we went up there, we had to play, um, you know, first, first round at Southern Connecticut, they were hosting and then a totally different experience, but same kind of element. Uh, You have Florida Southern coming off a national championship and, you know, those top players are not on the roster anymore. So high expectations, but How do you get to make that program your own? This guy's been loyal to uh, Coach Donnelly, and he's been there for 11 years. And, you know, he's obviously a pillar to uh, that staff. And this is a guy I think in the future, very soon in the future, is going to get a head coaching job and get a very good one, too. I think that's, you know, a lot of people can go out. You can uh, possibly get you know, a program in the Division II landscape with his success kind of has his choice of jobs, but there are jobs out there. I think you'll see him at a a major Division II job or even a Division One assistant. Wherever he kind of wants to go, he has that pathway.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's it's always fun to have guys on that are close, you know, to getting a chance to run their own program because that way we get, we get a chance to kind of talk to him and, and follow him and see him through. And I think one of the things with with Coach Mac was that he if it happens, it's it's great. And I think, you know, he, he talks about it, he really wants it to happen. And he's had some opportunities. And they, you know, we didn't really get super into like where and and, and why they, they didn't work out. But he's going to have an opportunity soon. And he's going to be able to, like you said, to kind of wait for what he thinks is the right opportunity. And I think, you know, we've had a couple guys on recently where it's like, well, you're from one area, and Mike is from Connecticut and went to Syracuse. And we did talk about what it was like being a manager for Jim Boeheim and and things like that. But he'd worked in the Northeast his whole career. And then all of a sudden, you know, coach Donnelly gets Florida Southern. He, he brings Mike with him, a guy that's been with him a long time. And and bang, you're down in Lakeland, Florida, not an area that you've recruited. It's, it's highly unlikely that they had a bunch of guys from Florida at their team, on, on their team in Southern Connecticut. I, I would guess like Bovada over under was probably zero, maybe 0.5 at their time there. But I don't know if like, that that I mean I definitely know it, that makes him better like that makes him prepared you know anywhere up on the east coast I think because at the division two level they've been able to recruit nationally they've done it through transfers they've done it through high school and I think he's a guy that's going to be prepared and and like he said Smalls and, and he picked this as his hidden talent and it's not a hidden talent but that question sucks as we know but he can talk to anybody he can start up a conversation with any person that he wants and I think like when you when you meet somebody like that and, and that type of person gets to be in the interview room, you don't necessarily need to be worried about recruiting because that's the type of guy that's going to be able to connect to almost any kid or any parent or any high school coach. And I think that would be what I would be most excited about with Coach Mack if I was going to hire him to run my program.
0: Yeah. And that coupled with the range of experiences he's had, we mentioned the building different programs, but you just mentioned regionally like, He's gone to different places, completely different situations, but also different areas in the country and they've as a staff has figured out how to be successful. That formula, that's him. He knows exactly that formula. Yes, he's going to be himself and he's going to, you know, do things the way he wants to do things as a head coach eventually, but he has a really good foundation. I think that's what makes you dynamic in an interview room is, here, I've got this wealth of experience. I've only been successful and this is why and this is how i'm going to follow i'm going to need x amount of time to be able to convey that i think that's what and not speaking to a lot of athletic directors athletic directors that's about as sure of a thing as you can get um from an assistant coach to becoming a first-time head coach is that wealth of experience and just knowing how to uh run a professional program at the college level so that's what i'm excited about and um got the chance to talk to a lot of different coaches, won't mention name at the tailgate, you know, at the Eagles tailgate, running into different people. And, uh, you know, I'm excited for college basketball season as well. Of course, the focus is on football and, you know, uh, conversations were every which way. But uh, college basketball is right around the corner in October 15th. Can't get here soon enough. And then the first games, hopefully in uh, that early November period.
1: Yeah, I didn't know you were uh, out there hobnobbing it with a lot of different coaches. We we didn't actually discuss that mainly because you were just angry at me all day on Sunday, like I was out <laughs> actively rooting against the Eagles, which was not true, uh, and they didn't cover anyway, so it didn't really matter <laughs> to me if if they won or lost the game. But uh, you, I, I will say this: I don't. I know a good amount of people, not like a ton of people, and then and then like we'll wrap this up. But like I, I know a ton of people in Philly, I guess, or in this Philly sports scene, and. I don't. I think like every single person, Smalls that I knew, with the exception of maybe one, was at the tailgate. Was at a tailgate or in the stadium or like something. Like, like I, I don't related. know. I, I swear, I only knew like of one or two people that was like watching the game at a bar. Like every other person that I knew, like that was associated with like Temple basketball, whatever. Like they were they were at Lincoln Financial Field, and whether or not they ended up in the game or ended up at Xfinity Live, it sounded like it was an absolute zoo there. I'm sure the first half felt a little bit like a morgue. But, you know, if you, hey, why, why not boo your team off the field when it's 17-0 in the first half? You know, you got to wake them up. Well, and, and the recent, I mean,
0: you talk about everybody being Eagles related. I'll tell you what the conversation was. And this is not with coaches or anything like that. But it was all about, I, I think I had our conversations with everybody about all the Bovada lines and everybody's an expert now. Everybody's a Bovada expert. I'm taking this line. I'm teasing here. And that's the hilarious thing. Everyone week one's an expert. And then you talk to them on like week four, they're like, I'm drained, man. <laughs> it's over. But, uh, you know, hopefully some good weeks. There was some people who really thought they had all the answers inventions wise, uh, telling me this and that. And, you know, I listened, I always find the lines fascinating. Uh, I think, if I had to do a poll just in my head, I'd say Bovada got pretty rich this weekend.
1: I don't know, man. It's, I think a ton of money was on the Dolphins. I really do. Like, I, I know I know that that was the case. At least Darren Revell was tweeting out that some places got really beat up on the Dolphins and the Chiefs this week. Or the, the Ravens and the Chiefs this weekend. Yeah, it's that's true. Fun. It's always fun to kind of talk about that. I do want to say before we get into this episode couple audio issues in the middle we've we've staved those off for a good while uh, but I don't know if it was like maybe the impact a little bit of like the storms from Hurricane Dorian or something like but uh internet connection was not amazing uh, during this so I did my best as you guys know I am a, a noob editor I do a pretty good job with that but I, I did my best so just bear with us it's I would say ninety eight percent of the audio was very good there are a couple questions where Mike goes in and out just a little bit but should not ruin your listening experience but I do apologize for that and uh, smalls and I will be better next time for sure uh, if you like what you hear please leave us five stars leave us a review uh, and you can reach out to us as well tell us the audio sucked tell us what you liked on Bovada uh, we are at create your shot on Twitter at create your shot pod on Instagram create your shot on Facebook and create your shot at gmail.com uh, coming up over the next couple of weeks I uh, got a couple of head coaches in the mix a couple of d1 head coaches as well. So we have a lot of stuff planned for college basketball season starting. September 10th is actually our two-year anniversary doing this show. So it has been a lot of fun, uh, a lot of episodes, and we appreciate everyone who has listened over the last two years because it it seems pretty surprising that we're still doing this, but uh, we will continue to do it as long as people keep listening. So enjoy this week's interview with Mike McAvica of uh, Florida Southern, and we will be back next week as always. Are pleased to be joined by Mike Makubica, currently the associate head coach at Florida Southern out of the Sunshine State Conference. Coach, it's Saturday afternoon, your Syracuse Oranger. Not playing well, but how are you today?
2: I'm doing well despite the score of the game, but I have a feeling that we're going to come back and uh, have a good victory today.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, we don't want to turn this into college football all the time, although Smalls and I do talk a lot about it. But you guys are, you're in your fifth year at Florida Southern now, you're coming off a 25-8 and eight season. Uh, before we kind of get into this coming year, you know, you guys have had some success that you got in there and had a couple losing seasons, and then last year, 25 wins. Having some time to have the summer and look back on it, what do you think really worked well for you guys this year?
2: I would say that you know, we returned a lot from that previous year's team, we, we went 21-8 and eight the year before, and then. 25-8 and eight last year. and won a, a conference tournament. I think we took some really big strides as a program in terms of just reaching our goals. You know, we've always set goals from day one since we, we took over at Florida Southern. And one of those goals was, you know, making the NCAA tournament. So we made that again for, you know, back-to-back consecutive years. And then winning the conference tournament. Uh, the Sunshine State Conference, is, it's a tough league. Uh, there's a lot of great coaches, a lot of great programs. A lot of great programs that, that are putting a lot of resources into uh, their basketball, and I think the guys really came together this year, and they were focused from day one on, hey, we want to win championships. We want to take the next step for our program. You know, they won the, the uh, Division II National Championship in 2015, and that's the ultimate goal at Florida Southern is to win national championships. Um, that's set from the president on down, and we know that, and going into this year, that, that, that's one of our goals is to win the region and to win a national championship. But last year, I I thought the guys did a really good job defensively buying into all the concepts and then offensively taking more steps as a team and program. How are you guys
0: looking this year? I mean, we're, you know, the date is, what, September 7th. So we're through the first week where we can really get with our players and uh, strength and conditioning, a couple two-hour practices or workouts. What are you doing with the guys? And how's this season looking for you just, you know, very early on?
2: Pretty good. You know, I, I, we really like this group. We brought in six new guys, four transfers, two Division One transfers. Um, kind of an interesting week. Uh, the Storm Dorian, as pretty much everyone probably knows, has really hit the, uh, this part of the, the, the country. And we dodged it. And I know it's still going up the coast and it's headed towards Canada. But we expected uh, the worst. So we were getting prepared and the school made a decision to cancel classes all last week. So we had a few guys leave campus. Some guys stayed uh, on campus. So that changes our routine a little bit where, you know, we're working out at three o'clock and with no classes, it's like, all right, guys, let's, let's play out the storm and see what's going to happen. So Monday, we, the guys came in, they had a workout. Tuesday, we thought the storm was going to hit and it, it didn't. And so we, hit, we were completely off because the school decided to, to, we were shut down, but they didn't want any employees to be on campus. So we, we, we took that day, but looking at the forecast and not being hit by the storm we were able to push through the rest of the week and kind of get back into our groove. And for the guys who stayed, they, they showed up every day. Their approach, the mentality into, into these workouts was very good. And I, I think we, we took a seri- serious step in the right direction. Uh, really like this team a lot. Um, we have more quality depth. Uh, we returned eight guys from last year's team. Those guys are, are key guys. We have four uh, captains, four-year players for us guys who have been through it all they were with us when we were uh had some losing seasons they've won a championship they've won had 21 uh win seasons they've been to back-to-back ncaa tournaments so they they know what it takes and so i think right now we're just taking steps in the right direction
0: yeah and i may be going out of order a little bit here but I I really find it interesting how much success you guys had at Southern Connecticut State. Uh, You know, it was tremendous and, you know, you built that program. And then, you know, every year it was like Southern Connecticut State's going to be in that regional final or they're going to have a shot at the national championship. What was the transition like going from that part of the country now down to Florida Southern and having expectations be so high? How did you make that transition and what did you do in particular as an assistant?
2: But Southern Connecticut, that that was a fun run building that program. That the year before we took over, they went two and twenty five. The year before that, they went two and twenty five, and it, it comes down to recruiting. We recruited a really good group of guys, guys that were still close to to this day, and those guys just worked hard and they they faced a lot of adversity early on, stayed with it, they grinded it out. Those guys were coachable. They listened. They bought into everything that Coach Donnelly and I uh, taught them on both sides of the ball and we were to uh, really take that program to new heights and so that was that was special that that was a really special run and then yeah, things opened up down here at Florida Southern and it's a different part of the country uh, so just for any coach moving different in different regions coming from the northeast down to the south that's a challenge in its own you know being you know 1800 1900 miles away from home that's a transition and then taking over a team that won a national championship the expectations, there's different pressures there. But it's, it's what you get into coaching for. You, you know, everyone wants to win a national championship. You want to be around the best in the business. And being down here, we, we're able to do that uh, on a daily basis. We're able to recruit nationally. Uh, so that that opens up a lot of opportunities for, for us as a coaching staff to get out and recruit different parts of, of the country. We actually have an international student from uh, England, uh, Kai Clary. And it just being at Florida Southern, it, it's a program that could really take steps and win a national championship. They did it in 2015.
1: Yeah. that I, I feel like there's so many directions we could go on this, but I, I kind of want to stay on that specific part of this for right now. It's a super weird. I don't know. I, I just can't imagine how many times it's happened where like somebody wins a national championship. And then all of a sudden there's a new coaching staff the next year. So you guys go from, uh, from, Southern Connecticut to to Southern when Link Darner wins the title, leaves. I think he went to Green Bay, if I'm if I'm remembering right. But when you get down here, like are the expectations like, man, we're gonna compete for a national title this next year? Cause obviously they went from I think they were 36 and one the year you got there and or the year before you got there. And then the next year, I think you guys won uh 10 games. So like what was kind of that situation like? Like, oh man, we can win a national title, but actually we still have a lot of work to do. What was that like?
2: That's it. you know. That's a process that you just have to go through. Um, I think it's one of those things where you you, you have to go through the hard, and you got to go through, face some adversity. And I, it's Nashville, Tennessee, in sports. I told you guys earlier. I said Syracuse is going to win a national championship this year in football. So, as a true fan, you think your team's going to win it all. So, those expectations are just set when you're coming from any program, especially at Florida Southern. The tradition there is to win. They're used to the baseball team, basketball team, golf teams. The expectations are they want us to win national championships. So as fans, they just probably think and thought, like, all right, look, we're going to get back there. These guys are going to come in, and they had a lot of success up in Connecticut, and they're going to come down here, and we we'll are going to just keep this thing rolling. It just takes time. And and that's what the administration they, – they gave us the time, and they said that, you know, we're sticking by Highs. And we we understand like you lot we lost they lost the starting five from that national championship team There's six man so that takes time that's a process in any program you know in college sports you're going to have these cycles where you're going to lose superstar players uh, we lost a, a really good player an all American last year John Line that's those guys are irreplaceable so it, that's the recruiting process and that's college sports in general so it's recruiting people having the faith in you to to give you the time to build your program. And you just got to do things your your way, and and you just got to just really stick to that process and respect it. Was the
1: process similar to taking over at Southern Connecticut? Because you've now been with Coach Donnelly. I think this is going to be your 11th year with him, as, as long as I can do math. Uh, so you, you take over that program, which obviously, you know, like you said, two wins the year prior to- Prior to getting there, but like in terms of transitioning over to a new program, did you guys kind of focus on the same things? Like, hey, we've done this once before. Try to make it into our own image. But were the were they similar in regards of like, hey, we're just going to take it one day at a time. Kind of the same process.
2: I think the philosophy, yeah, this philosophy stays the same. It's all right. It all starts with recruiting. Uh, Let's go out and recruit the best players we can. And that's a challenge when you're coming from the northeast, coming down to the south region here. You're trying to figure out, okay, are you going to we're in the South. You're going to recruit. You're trying to recruit now. You can recruit nationally, so that opens up more opportunities. Is to continue to recruit in the Northeast, which we we've done. Um, but it's just a learning process. That's a, that's all it really is. Is being able to come down here, understanding you got to evaluate the talent you have on your roster, recruit the best uh, student athletes you can. You got to recruit guys who fit your school, fit your style of play, fit your culture. And like, I'll go back to what I said. It just takes time to, you got to have that time to establish those things But we had holdovers from, uh, links national championship team. And that, you know, that you gotta, those guys won a national championship. So when you have people who've had success, it's, are they going to buy into everything that we're saying? Like some stuff that link did we're doing differently. So it's, that's natural human tendency. It's like, well, you know, we were accustomed to doing things this way. It's just change, people. It's hard for people to adapt to change.
1: That's like an awesome point. I didn't think about that, but like guys that were part of this national title team were like, well, we did things differently and won a national title. So like, why should I believe what you guys are going to do, what you guys are going to do is going to be better. I, I kind of want to get into your relationship with coach Donnelly a little bit though. Like you, you go work for him at pace and then, southern connecticut and now florida southern what's the change in relationship been with you and him over the last like 11 years i mean now you're associate head coach i believe you just were promoted to that but you know what's kind of been the how how did you get involved with him in the first place And, and how has your relationship evolved over the last 11 years
2: I'll go back to uh, how our relationship started. Um, that's actually post-university in Waterbury.
1: What did I say? I said Pace. Pace. That's
2: 10. Post, listen,
0: Post is a different world, man. It's a tough place. <laughs> I'll bleep myself
1: on that. I'm just going to put the bleep in, so I think I'll, I think I
2: swore. <laughs> so there, there's, at the time, there there's CW Post, which is in Long Island. then you have Post University, which is in Waterbury, Connecticut. Coach Daly from Stratford, Connecticut. At the time, he was living in Waterbury. And I'm from waterbury as well so that's how we, we met um i was actually working a camp at my high school and my high school coach was on the phone with coach donnelly and he was t- he asked him he said hey, do you need any more guys to uh, on your staff are you looking for any more coaches and he was like no not right now he's like well my coach was like well i got a guy and he's in the area he's gonna be working during the day he's got a job and would you take on any volunteers and he's like well maybe tell him to come into the office so the next day i went into the office we sat down about an hour or two, and that's kind of how it all started. The rest is history. I came on as a volunteer at post-university. The next year, he got the job at Southern Connecticut. I was very fortunate that he brought me along. Not too many guys would take that risk where you take a, uh, a guy who volunteered for you, uh, a young guy, and bring it into a, bringing him into a situation where the team went 2-25, 2-25, in the Northeast 10, which is a really good league, so, just having someone believe in you and take a chance on you, uh, that, that's, you, you, you know, you, there's no words for that. Um, it's a blessing. Uh, you, you feel extremely lucky, blessed. And I'm grateful for that opportunity. That So, that's kind of how we met. And then uh, going into Southern Connecticut, building that program up, I would say the relationship into now, the relationship... Maybe you get, you get, we've gotten closer as friends and families are close. Um, I think just being willing to adapt and evolve as coaches, that's the probably the biggest thing, the biggest change. Um, kids are changing basketball changes. You got to be willing to make adjustments I and mean, we were playing a lot differently than we did at Southern Connecticut on both sides of the ball. Um, last year, we did some certain things on the offensive end that we didn't do in the previous year. So I think just the willingness to adapt and evolve in coaching makes really, makes coaches really good. I think that's that's what uh, you see the difference between a lot of good and great coaches and their willingness to adapt and change. What,
0: what types of things did you do early on as an assistant coach to – You know, I guess, you know, you're, you're young, we we were young at one point and, you know, you're trying to break in, you're trying to do all the right things. What did you really focus on to become a better assistant coach year after year in those early years? Uh, I think it's always interesting to hear, you know, that perspective of things, especially when someone of your caliber, right, you've been with them for 11 years and nothing but success. A lot has to do with the assistant. I know the head coach, all that stuff, but the assistant coach is critical in that point as well.
2: I think just uh, lifelong learning. that That's, I mean, there, there are days we get into to the office where we'll just bounce ideas off of each other, talk about books, uh, podcasts, movies, documentaries. Just we have a relationship where we can just come in and just kind of just we'll talk. And next thing you know, it's like, oh man, it's like <laughs> we've been talking for about an hour on maybe a basketball, on a certain play, there's a certain set, recruiting, life in general. Um, so I think that's been unique because that's Southern Connecticut. We had, it was three of us on the staff at a time, but for a good while, it was just Coach Donnelly and I. So when it's just two people running the show, and you guys know in basketball, you spend a lot of time in recruiting on the road, a a lot of time uh, scouting, games. I mean, that's a nine-month period where you're spending a a lot of time with someone. Uh, So you just formulate a relationship, and I, I would just say just kind of lifelong learners and we both love the game of basketball, respect it, uh, love what we do. We just want to be around good people, and I think we got great guys in our program. So I think it makes it a better work environment, and it makes it a better overall environment for our guys to be better people. You general. mentioned you mentioned learning.
0: So in terms of recruiting early on, you're a young guy. You know, this is really your first job, kind of as an assistant coach and really getting out on the road and recruiting. How did you learn to recruit? And what was that process like for you?
2: I remember going on recruiting trips with Coach Donnelly. I mean, I didn't, I mean, come from Syracuse. I, I know recruiting's a top priority. In C- Central Connecticut, I mean, both programs have cr- tremendous players. Um, I saw recruiting is a top priority. I, we'd, go on, we, we'd go on roads to New York City, road trips to New York City, uh, Albany, New York. And it kind of just was, he taught me the ropes. He, he gave me a lot of freedom to make the most of my opportunity. He never really stifled me. It was never, uh, I'm going to go on this recruiting trip. You know, you can just hang back or take the day off. It was, hey, Max, you want to take a ride with me out to New York City? I could have easily said no. They're like, no. And he probably was like, all right. I was like, no, let's, let's take a ride out there. And just e- evaluating whether it's a single game or if it's a couple games or an AAU tournament. I remember my first AAU tournament I went to was in Providence, Rhode Island. It was a hoop group event. I was overwhelmed. I got handled you know, that book. I didn't even know what I was looking at. But I think that was, he sent me out on the road, probably knowing that like, all right, the only way you're going to learn is you got to get thrown into the wolves. So just getting out there and recruiting and just being like, looking at 16 courts and being like, all right, what do I do? All right, let me flip through this book. Let me find the Connecticut teams and just go from there.
0: Now, and and talking about, I, w- I want to take it back again uh, to your time as a manager, just because we're, we were two former managers, obviously, at Temple University, you at Central Connecticut, and uh, Jim ba- and under Jim Beheim at Syracuse. You know, what was your experience like, and how did that really, I guess, prop you up to become a coach? Like, did that make you and fuel you to become a coach in that whole experience?
2: It's a great program, Syracuse. Um, there's great people involved in that program. I know Coach Beheim is the uh, figurehead, but he's had a lot of great assistants that I've been able to meet and formulate relationships. Guys, I, I know to this day guys who have helped me. I mean, Mike Hopkins, I remember helping him out with individual development groups. That's probably how I really wanted to get into it, just being around Hop on a daily basis. Talk about a tenacious recruiter, uh, really good, personable, loyal guy, great to the players. Um, willingness to take me in and say, all right, wait, we're going to go into this individual group. Throw me out there as well being like, all right, this is what you're going to do with this group. And we're going to throw you in there You're going to play defense. And at the time I was just like, oh man, I'll do whatever. And I think that's where I found my passion for coaching. And, And up there at Syracuse, it's a, it's a program where it's kind of like the Bill Belichick mentality where it's, you just got to do your job at the end of the day. Like everyone's got to do their part. It's strength conditioning coach, trainers, assistant coaches, they all got to do their jobs. I mean, everyone has a role in the, whole, in the whole organization and program.
1: What was it like going from Central Connecticut to Syracuse? Obviously, you know, Howie is a legend in his own right, but you're, you're working for two – he was not quite as established at that point, but you're working for two guys who have been around a long time, coached some great basketball teams – you know, it, it just seems like there would have been so much wisdom, but to to leave one program, go to another. What were some of the differences, and some of the things that you learned, you know, and got to
2: experience? I, it's, I think it's, it's similar. Um, you know, Central Connecticut's a little major program, so just in terms of the travel, um, everything's it's 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 relative. Syracuse, obviously, more resources, but. It's still the same goal. It's basketball. I think it doesn't matter where you are. Division one, two, three, Syracuse, Central Connecticut. You gotta be competitive. You gotta be willing to put in the work. And you wanna win at the end of the day. I mean, Ali Dickman talk about fiery, competitive guy, coaches his guys hard, high expectations. Same thing at Syracuse, Jim Ban coaches his guys hard, same expectations. He wants, they, those guys want to win, but they, you know what? They, they, they want to win doing things the right way. Howie Dickman, both guys are, are really loyal to the players, the players' guys. They mean, they have the players' interests at, at heart at the end of the day. And it's it's similar. Going back to your, to your question, I, I, I think it, there's, I know there's differences and you can probably, we can probably sit and talk about for an hour about the differences, but at the end of the day, it's, They want to win games. They they want to be competitive, do things the right way. And I think that's the best way probably to answer that question.
1: Yeah, I was getting to the point, like, not necessarily. I I guess, like, people always think, like, oh, man, being a manager at a high major program must be the most amazing thing in the world. Like, you're in the Big East. Like, you're flying charter and stuff. And, And I do think that, like, you know, when Smalls and I started at Temple, we had, like, seven managers. And then by the time we made a couple tournaments in a row, we had, like, 35 managers by the time we got out of there. And I think, yeah, yeah, like you're exactly right. Like, and so at central Connecticut, maybe you only had like three or four managers. So you get to do a whole lot, you get to do more, maybe you're helping with film. And at Syracuse, like that's not as much of an option. So like, yeah, maybe you get some more clothes, like, you know, maybe you get some nice Nike gear, maybe Carmelo comes to practice, daps you up a little bit while you're there. And that's awesome. But your actual experience in terms of like, learning how to be a basketball coach or be like, how do I springboard from a manager to some sort of coaching position? I kind of think like, at Syracuse, you might be a little bit behind the game, despite the fact that, like, yeah, it's great if Jim Beheim's going to make a call for you. That might matter more, you know. But I, that was kind of what I was getting into. Is I, I think like, no, that's the,
2: a good I, point. No, I mean, that's a good point because I'll, I'll I'll go back to that because at Central Connecticut, their coaching staff at the time, guys, I, I still keep in touch with guys are still who are still coaching. I, they, they both programs gave me a lot of opportunities to learn. Like they're like, hey Mac, you, hey, you can do this stuff in the office. Can you help us out with? this or, or this project we're working on. So I was able to learn uh, the behind the scenes of what it really takes to, to run a program. Like everyone sees the basketball, they see that 10%, but what it really takes to run a program, the recruiting, the recruiting databases, dealing with boosters, you know, the little things that, that people don't see behind closed doors. Those are the things that I was able to, to see and learn and be a part of at a young age.
1: Yeah, and that's the part I think, like, when we talk about managers and, and kind of how you grow, like, yeah, it's great to, like, be with the players and, like, it's fun to go on trips and stuff, but if you are really serious, which it sounds like you were, Mac, like, it sounds like this was something you knew right off the bat, like, hey, I, I really do want to get into coaching, and so that kind of, like, we, we talk about you getting your master's at Syracuse, but in between the time you graduated and the time you ended up working at uh, Post, there we go, you know, what what was your what were you doing? And like, what was your plan? Were, were you were you setting yourself up to be like, hey, I want to get a college job? Or were you kind of like, if it happens, it
2: happens and I'll figure it out? I think once I got my master's degree, I was like, all right, let me go back to Connecticut and I'll figure everything out. I, at, I was going to school for a long time. And if anyone has gotten their master's degree, it's, I didn't really realize how hard it was actually going to be going from your undergrad to a master's program. And that was really hard. And I'll be honest, I, I think I was like burned out a little bit. I was like, well, wow, that was crazy. I got through it. But that two years of my life, that was insane of just, just work and just being in school for such a long time. I was like, all right, let me go back and, and figure this out.
1: I had the same, I had the same thought process at Temple, like went right from undergrad to graduate. And by the time you're done, you're just, even if the, the degree, like even if class wasn't crazy, you're just like so burnt out on school. Like it's, I get why people, I felt weird in, in my major because and I've said this to Smalls before, but like there were people who were legitimate professionals who were like 30, 35 at the time going back to get their master's in sports management. And they were like all in, like they loved it. And I felt kind of bad because like we get paired up in groups and they're like, why is this guy not doing as much? And and I, I worked hard. Like I, I graduated, I had a good GPA, but it was like, I was just so done with school. Like the same excitement to get this degree didn't kind of exist like it did to graduate from undergrad. So I like totally understand that.
2: That's the last semester of my master's program. I was just done. I was like, I'm just going to, I got to get, I, I got to finish these courses and it's over. I can thank God I'm getting my master's degree. I, I don't have to go back five or 10 years down the road. Cause this is a similar situation where I'm taking cl- classes with people who are working all day and coming to class at night. And you know, here I am kid 22, 23. and just like, oh, man, I got to gear it up and go to class. And I'm like, Oh, geez. Like I really don't want to go. I really don't want to read all those books. I really don't want to write that paper but somehow, some way i I've mustered up the strength and got through it and it's, it's a very similar experience. And I think that's what I, I was like, all right, I'm going to go back to Connecticut, take some time, figure out what I want to do next. So I had some odd-end jobs, worked for my my best friend's dad on a construction company, did that for a little bit. That company, he, yeah, that company just we got laid off. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so, that's happened. Okay, you so, yeah. get off your chest. Yeah. I tried to on the bush down. We all got laid off. Like, work was slow. I remember it just rained like every other day. It was a, uh, we, we surfaced tennis courts. So, to surface a tennis court, the weather has to be in pretty good condition. You can't have rain or there's no work. So, the company was like, all right, we got to downgrade. And so they laid off all the day. A young guy, so I was like, all right, so that's not. That, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go into construction. That's not me. <laughs> you know, I didn't get a master's degree to, to resurface tennis courts. No fencing in that line of work. So the, actually, then I, I moved to New Jersey for about a month and a half. My sister's friends; they were a landscaping company at the time. I was like, I right, so I will go down there and be a landscaper. Like, okay, got a master's degree from Syracuse, undergrad degree from Syracuse. So I'm gonna go be you know, come on a landscape. Once again, no. Than anyone, this like you know, just figuring myself out. Go down to Jersey, close family friends, help them out. Go down there, same type of deal. Like rains like every other day, and and I had, and, and I had this premonition. I was, I remember it. We were working in this really nice neighborhood, and I was out back throwing down mulch in this garden, and I'm just looking around at this house, and I'm going, I was like, I I, I can't be doing this, you know this this is this is not me. Yeah, I was like, ah, in my head, I'm like, I got to go back to Connecticut and figure this out. So I remember the next day, I had a conversation with Ray, my uh, my good friend. And I was like, listen, man, I, you know, you know, nothing, nothing against this and all this line of work, but I'm going to go back to Connecticut and figure it out. And he's like, yeah, we were waiting for you to, you know, come to, come to and, you know, have this conversation, you know, you should go back to Connecticut and, figure it out, figure out what you want to do, what you want to become, and do it. Just do it. I was like, all right, man, hand Gentleman's handshake. Got in my car, drove back to Connecticut. And I was sitting on a beach with some friends and just like, man, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So long story short, I ended up becoming a permanent building substitute teacher at this alternative school in Waterbury. And that's when I linked up like probably a couple weeks after that I linked up with Coach Donnelly and now now I got my permanent substitute teaching job, which didn't pay much. And then I have my volunteer coaching job. So like the two and two like coincided so I could go to work at the school from seven to about one forty five. And then I can go from two o'clock to six, seven o'clock working over at post university and coaching. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. Could still make it the road trips, recruiting, could still go out and, and recruit. So it just kind of all came together there. And just making that decision and being like, all right, I'm gonna end this landscaping thing and go back to Connecticut, sitting on a beach. And one of the uh, persons that I was with, people I was with out on the beach, her sister was the principal of the school and the rest is history. The principal teacher, coach, and now coaching down here in Florida.
0: <laughs> you, know, you know it's so funny, just listening to you tell that story, it's you know, the people who listen to this
2: podcast are coaches
0: and I'll bet you no one's surprised because I think a lot of coaches go through those times, maybe not to that extent, but you go through those early years where, you know, money is, you know, it might be a couple thousand dollars a year. If you're lucky, you're $10,000 a year or something like that. And that's how much money you're making, but you're making it and you're doing something you love and you find a path to basketball. Uh, But I want to ask you, because so many young people and assistant coaches break in, will listen and you know try to decipher a lot from this podcast. What kind of advice do you have to them to, you know, not only find their path but also end up succeeding as an assistant coach early on in their career?
2: I think finding your path. I think you just got to just listen to your inner voice and, and don't be afraid to make that call or knock on that door, and just believe in yourself that that that's really it and I think once you get an opportunity just be willing to do anything and everything
0: say yes yeah I, th- I think we've talked about that a lot right Tyler saying yes to a lot of things
1: when you're younger well because like you're in a situation where like you do you have a master's so like presumably and, and I have a master's back and I, I like I don't know I don't know if I would fall back on it now like sports management but when you're younger like yeah you have a master's you're 25 years old like you got some time to make choices but like it's tougher when you're 33 years old to be like, okay, now I'm going to try to say yes to everything. It doesn't really work like that. And I think like, that's one of the biggest things is guys are like, well, I always have time, but you know, who knows? Like meet a girl, like you get married, you have kids and all of a sudden, like you just don't have time anymore. So if you don't say yes early in your career, it it may, you know, kind of put up some roadblocks for you later in your career, whether that be in coaching or anything. I just think like, that's the key to like getting where you want to be is like, if you pass up on good opportunities because you just feel like, hey, it'll always be there, it's probably not the case. It might be. Don't get me wrong. Like it might be, but I just I just don't think it always is going to that's always going to be the case. I don't think you'll always have time for that.
2: That's that's the hard part in life in terms of any profession you, 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 cho- you choose to to get into and coaching and, and, and life in general is making that decision, making that choice to be like, all right, yes, I'm going to do this. Yes, I'm going to take this jump. Yes, I'm going to take this leap. And that, that's hard. That's hard. That goes back to the change. Like me talking about the guy, guys, like Coach Darner, coached them a certain way, and then us coming in and coaching them. That's The change for anyone is is very, very hard. And everyone has their own story. Everyone has their, their own um, pathway. You know, we all have our own journey. My advice is to be yourself, be who you are. Don't try to be anyone else. Like I can tell you, everyone's probably heard of Eric Spolscher's story of, he was in the video room, and he was the guy going to Starbucks. Yeah, that—that's what he did. But not everyone's gonna be Eric Bolcher. Not everyone's gonna have that same journey. So you gotta understand: be who you are. If that's you, do do that. If you're not good at something, be willing to try. I guess that's just really it. Like, don't be afraid to be like, ah, oh, man, I'm not really good at film edits, so I'm just kind of try to shy away from that. I'm not really good recruiting. I'm not gonna make that phone call. I'm not gonna go evaluate. And that's just the way you you learn. Like learn through experience. Like, they all have everyone has gone through it. You gotta you gotta face adversity. You gotta go through pain. I, I firmly believe like the first two years at Florida Southern, like we had to go through that to get to where we are. To win championships, you have to face some adversity. You gotta feel that pain and you gotta you gotta just go through that to appreciate the joys of where we're at today like winning that championship seeing those guys climb that ladder it's awesome so you want to do it again like all right this year guys we want to win the regular season championship we want to win the tournament championship again we want to win a region championship we want to win a national championship just because what that feeling that you that this group will have you have no idea you can't describe it like you can't put it into words just like man remember those sprints that we were doing in September remember that storm when that didn't hit us, which we were fortunate, and we were able to get in the gym and get those extra shots up. Remember those late-night road trips? Remember those lifting sessions? Like, those are the things that you remember. That, those are the things that the teams at Southern Connecticut remember, winning the regional championship, making it to the Elite Eight, playing in Evansville. Like, we all have that. Like, that's something no can take away from us. Well,
1: I do think that's really funny too. Like the be yourself type thing. Cause it is like the industry is littered with guys who like read as many books as they can. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like having as much information as possible is always a good thing, but like Tony Bennett, right. They just won a national title. Like everybody loves Tony Bennett and, and with good reason, like seems like a great dude, seems like he's super humble, but like his coaching style and his coach and, and just packline line in general, just his on the court stuff is a whole nother thing. But the way that he coaches specifically and his personality, like that's who he is. So like now everyone's going to be like, all right, maybe I have to back off a little bit. Maybe I can't be Tom Izzo. Maybe I can't be Jim Boeheim. So now I don't want to be quite as fiery. I'm going to be laid back. But then you can't be upset if that's not what your personality is, if it doesn't work. Because like that's what works for Tony Bennett. It's like the same thing with this Hugh Freeze thing, like coaching in a hospital bed. Like Now you're going to see all these dudes that are like, well, I can't miss a day of work because Hugh Freeze made it to the top, made it back to the top after scandal. And he doesn't miss a day of work. And it's like, no, guys, like that's not I don't think that's the point of this. The point is, like, that's what Hugh Freeze wants to do. Like, he might be a lunatic. Maybe he's a genius. I
0: don't Hugh know. Hugh loves Hugh. Let's be honest. <laughs> that's the best way to put it. Hugh does Hugh,
2: right? <laughs> Hugh's doing Hugh. But, it, but it's like, it's
1: like Mike, if, if I have a, an injury, right, and I'm in, I'm in the hospital, and then I go try to coach a game, like, I'm, maybe I'm not going to be able to coach at my best, and that's going to hurt the team. And so like, I can't do that because I saw Hugh Freeze do it. Like I have to truly believe in my mind that I'm the most important guy and I have to be there. And me me personally, I just, you know what I mean? I just can't get there. Like, I just think it's unbelievable. And so I think like that part is really good because like, I think being yourself and getting as much information as possible to shape who you are as a head coach is great. But just trying to be like, oh, well, this worked for John Calipari, this worked for Eric Spolstra, this worked for Rick Pitino, like you're just probably not going to be successful because I think it's too hard to try to manufacture your personality without going through a whole bunch of stuff to get to where you want to be. If, and I think that's what you were trying to say. But I just think like that's the part of the industry that's so funny is like that's the shortcut of like, oh, I just read this book about Bill Belichick. I'm going to do everything like Bill does and I'll be a successful coach.
2: I'll give another piece of advice. There are no shortcuts. I'll tell you that. You can't speed up this process so you can't say oh, I'm going to read this book and I'm going to be like Tony Bennett and we're going to play the pack line and we're going to play really good defense. I'll tell you one thing about that Virginia team—they're really good offensively. <laughs> they were, and and they had
1: to go through a ton of heartbreak and a ton of not like they—they they didn't take any shortcuts. Like, I mean, they got you know they had some calls going in their favor or whatever, but like, I mean, you can't say that they didn't deserve it and they didn't go through it as a unit to get to the top to get to the national championship. I mean, think about all the people that were like, "Oh, can pack line when you win it all?" Like. Even though for three straight years they won like a hundred
2: games, like it's crazy. Talk about the year before, you know, in the tournament, UNBC knocking them off. Like that coming, like talk about ultimate adversity. Like, what? but and just be yourself. That at the end of the day, and you learn that you know, as as you get older and as you, you, you evolve in any industry and in coaching. If you try to be someone else, I think that's just too hard. You, you, you'll probably get exhausted and burn yourself out and be like, I'm like, uh, I want to, it's better to be yourself. And players see right through that. You know, kids nowadays, they'll, they'll be like, all right, like you say one thing and you act one way. And then you can't you, you be two different people, whether that's in the locker room, in the office, during games, during practices. You know, I like to, uh, I'm a fiery guy. I, I like to get an energized, I'm an energized guy. I like to get after it. And the guys know that. And that's what they're going to get from me on a daily basis.
1: I want to ask one question about that. Like you are, obviously you're, you're real candid. Like it seemed like a very fiery guy, but like to have a good time. When you were a younger coach, you remember any like cringe worthy moments where like you think back now on kind of how you acted, maybe a post or like early at Southern Connecticut where you're like, man, I can't believe I did that.
2: Well, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. Um, growing up in Connecticut, watching those really good Yukon teams as everyone knows is a fiery guy, a very competitive guy, boisterous, um, tough coach. And you think, like, all right, I'm going to be like Jim Calhoun and, you know, this is no nonsense and kind of be, I would say negative is the word. It's probably a word for it. I don't want to use it on the podcast. It's probably a curse word. But, you know, he's a certain way, Jim Calhoun. Coach is a certain way. That's not me. The, and, and I think early on, like looking back, I think I maybe tried to be like Jim Calhoun a little bit early on in my career and dealing with people and fans and being like, I was like, ah, what, what was I thinking? Stupid, stupid. I'm a personal uh, old guy. Come up to me, talk to me before the game. I'll, you know, I'll talk to you. I got no issues. I and mean, I'll talk to you after the game you know, I I love what I do. I love, I love one of the parts of the whole coaching I love is formulating relationships. And that's a big part of the recruiting process and down here working with boosters. um, So I I love just talking to people on a daily basis, being on this podcast. I'm appreciative of of this opportunity because I guess I'm a talker and I, I like, I like to learn. I like to meet new people. Yeah, that that that's a great part,
0: right? Not all of us can be Bill Belichick, and if we are trying to be Bill Belichick, then we'll be miserable at home when you know the lights are off and we're trying to go to sleep. It will it will suck. So I I totally agree with that. I want to ask you. We don't ask this every episode now because I think we interview some head coaches and things like that. But I think you're perfect for this question. Your ultimate career goals are definitely, I'm sure, to become a head coach. But how, because I just feel like you have such a great resume and you've been a part of all of these winning teams and you've rebuilt programs with coach Donnelly, what type of job, you know, I'm sure jobs have come up in the past. What type of job are you looking for and are you interested in in the future? It doesn't have to be a name, but you know, that particular profile.
2: I definitely would would like to be a head coach. Um. Everyone, I think, aspires to run their own program, call their own timeouts. We've talked about it in the office. Uh, you know, my seat is a lot different than Coach Donnelly's seat. At the end of the day, he's you know, make the ultimate decisions, and, you know, on the floor and with the program. So, you know, th- those seats are different. Uh, being in that role to, say, to be, uh, make those ultimate decisions, to make those, the final call, whether that's in a game or with something we're going to do in our program. I think that's something I, I want to do. I feel like I'm ready to do that. Um, I think in my 11 years experience working with coach Donnelly, that's has um, prepared me to be in that role and, and to make those decisions. So I think running my own program, that's something I, I, I do want to do. Have you had opportunities to interview in the past and how have
0: those experiences been?
2: Yes, I, I, I have. I've interviewed for uh, head coaching jobs and great experience to, to it's, Always great to be uh, interviewed, to be uh, brought on campus and to to talk about what you're doing and talk about what you've done and the success you've had and give people your vision as to running their program, um, your vision as a coach, what you do within the program, as in terms of playing style and how you would grow the program within the community, within the campus community, with the boosters. So I think those opportunities are priceless. Hopefully of those opportunities will come to fruition and I'll have an opportunity to be a head coach. Awesome. We're
1: moving to coach speak. Uh, we'll just do one today. I have a Jim Boeheim quote because I think it actually lines up a lot with your personality and kind of what one of your major roles is at Florida Southern. But uh, this was a while ago, but he, he said, I've been educating my whole life and I feel that I'm a teacher and if I'm not a good teacher with my guys, I'm not going to be there long. Obviously, he's said it. Syracuse since like 1970. But I do think the parallels between teaching and coaching are fairly obvious. But one of the things, Mac, that you've kind of like taken the lead on is a lot of the academic stuff and the community service stuff at Florida Southern. You've had 30 honor roll selections while you were there. Twice you guys have uh, gotten NABC excellent awards. Is that something you've always really been interested in? You know, you mentioned working at an alternative school just a couple minutes ago, but is this something you've always taken a great deal of pride in, like maybe managing some of the academic success and the community service stuff off the court for your players?
2: I think that's a part of the uh, holistic process. Um, You don't want that to get lost in the shuffle. I think during the recruiting process, we tell uh, our recruits and and their parents that the most important thing is that they're going to get an education. And... You know, the, the best day for us is not necessarily the championships, the wins. It's going to be seeing their, their their son walk across that stage going to get their diploma. I think that's the ultimate win. That's the ultimate championship for everyone. Uh, so I think we stress the importance of why you're at either Florida Southern, Southern Connecticut, Syracuse, Central Connecticut. Make the most of that opportunity in the classroom, outside of the classroom. Get involved on campus. Um, get involved within the community. And and I think that's part of the a huge part of the learning process for our guys, and it, we put a big probably onus on being just good students, and being good people, and that I, I think if you if you have a there's a correlation there. If you have guys who want to be good students and be good individuals in society, I think they're just because basketball is supposed to be their passion. They're gonna in turn like, they're gonna have success on the floor. So just making it a, a, a good environment where they can be learners, have success in the classroom, which is the ultimate goal. And then teaching them, hey, being a part of the community is big. Giving back to your community is big. And being grateful for the opportunity, With even if they're a scholarship or if they're a walk-up student at Florida Southern, being able to go to college, that, that's a privilege in its own. And being a part of a basketball program. Not everyone can – Uh, on our basketball team and be in our program we only have 14 roster spots so it's a tough window it's a tough wall tough walls to crack so we tell that to guys all the time like it's not easy to get inside our program it's not easy to be part of it and and I also think with the community
1: service thing too and one of the things I guess I never really realized when I was younger especially like when I was a manager but I started to realize a little bit more when I was working for the Sixers and their D-League team is like people just think it's really cool. Like if you're a college athlete, like they don't care if you play at Duke or Florida, like if you're Zion Williamson, sure. But like, if you're a college athlete or you're a professional athlete, like if you're playing for in the G League, or you're playing in the NBA, like, and you go to like a hospital and see a kid and take some time to like talk to them or you go, you know, we used to go to the Hope Lodge a lot at Temple and and just kind of have dinner with the people that were there on like long-term stay. Like maybe they were, you know, had a lot of cancer treatments or something. And like, those people just think it's cool to like interact with people whose life experiences are a little bit different than their own. And I think people don't realize that quite as much. They're like, Oh man, like maybe we're, you know, we're just like a small school. We're just a D three school. Like, you know, we're Southern Connecticut or whatever. And they're like, Oh, we're not as cool. But I I totally disagree with that. Like I think just the opportunity to get in and and talk about like, Hey, yeah, I do play basketball in college. I also go to school. Like, it's really fun. This is what I want to do later. I I think people underestimate what an impact you can have on like, Especially little kids, they think everybody's a star. You know, it, it, they just think everybody's the greatest athlete, and that's awesome. Like, I'd go as a manager and lose to at air hockey to some kid, you know, at like Temple Hospital, and they'd be like, ah, "I beat that kid." And I'd be like, "Well, kid, I'm really bad at air hockey. It's not a big deal." But you know, you had a Temple travel suit on, so it's like a good thing. And I think, like, I want to do more on the
2: podcast of like make light
1: of guys that do a lot of community service because I think it's a really awesome
2: thing. No, I agree with you 100. percent. Actually, uh, I can give you an example. We did a community service event yesterday. Um, We work with Noah's Ark. Um, They're they're an organization here in Central Florida located in Lakeland. They work with individuals with special needs, and they have a, a basketball program that they run. And they've been playing against our women's team. And this young man, his birthday was yesterday. His name is Mitchell, and he wanted to play against our guys. So after our workout yesterday, they brought him in. We sang happy birthday to him, and our guys played for 10 minutes, getting up and down, with him and everyone else in that organization and the woman who runs it, she was so appreciative. She was, and we played, they played for 10 minutes and just the joy that, that it brought everyone in the gym. You can't, you just can't get that experience or that feeling and the expression, What she said to the guy, she's like, you have no idea what this has done for Mitchell and for everyone else. She's like, thank you so much. She was just so appreciative. So those things are the things that matter like there's a lot more to this whole thing that we do and that and the community service is a big part of it
0: no that's that's awesome that and it it just it just tells you that you know teams when you're in these privileged positions as student athletes and being coaches there's so much that you can do to give back to the community and things like that moving it over to city review Our favorite segment here, you're going to do Tampa for us. So Tampa, Florida, I'm pretty pumped about this. I would love to be in Tampa, Florida right now. You know, it's a little hot. hot right now. I I love the heat. See, that's the thing. I love the heat. Uh, This
2: type of heat is different, but it's a great place. Florida is a great place, especially in January and February.
0: You're going to give us uh, three restaurants and an activity for this one. So just give us some good spots to eat. You know, I'm excited about it. You've, I feel like we could have a meal together, like our group right now, and you would be at the head of the table
2: holding court. So I'm excited about it. All right. We, we, number one place we're going to go. The three of us are getting ready to go out to eat. On Swan. It's on it's, – it's on street, but the name of the restaurant is On Swan. I was actually there on Tuesday night with a really good friend from Syracuse, Great place, great food, great atmosphere. Highly recommended. High major place. Now we're going to use basketball terminology. Three. Yes, I love High. it. High major place. Number two, Cask. It's owned by one of the Bucks. I, I, I don't know his name off the top of my head. Great place, great chill spot. Great place for a first date. Ooh, I like that. That's good ambiance. Music, like, the date's going well, it's so a run. Not so well, you can't I go wrong. That's a big
0: thing. Head. So what am I eating at that place? Wait, what was it, what was it called?
2: Cask. 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 Okay. It's on South Howard Street. Cask. At Cask, okay, I usually like to go probably with the salmon. I'm a, fun fact, I'm a pescatarian, so I don't eat meat. So at a lot of places I'm eating, I'm eating fish. So I'm going to go with the salmon at Cask. And I'm going to, on Swan, I'm going with the scallops. And then any appetizer. Appetizers are, are off the charts.
0: I'm all uh, about the appetizers. I'm almost like, hey, let's just bring out a ton of plates and let's all, like, enjoy the meal. And we can do pescatarian. I love fish, too.
2: Uh, you know, I'm with you with the appetizers. Good conversation piece. Get a bunch of different options. Share it with each other. Be like, wow, this is really good. I like this. Like, all right. And then you bring out the main course. and like, man, I don't know if I can eat it, but you do. You figure out a way. <laughs> you you got to find a way. Out a way to eat the dessert. <laughs> so Vincent, Vincent
1: Jackson owns Cask. Yes, Vincent yeah. Jackson. Yes. Former
2: Vincent Bucks Jack- receiver. Jackson owns Cask. Vince, I hope you hook me up next time I'm in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, he totally listens to this. <laughs> yeah,
1: the, the over-under of that is a no. Yeah, go on. Sorry.
2: <laughs> Last place, I do like Mexican food. Mexican restaurants down here are really good. Another place on South Howard, Green Lemon. That's a really
0: good spot. So, me- Mexican food wise, what do you go with? Are you like like in terms of being a pescatarian, what are you putting in? Is it a burrito? Is it are you going uh chili or What are you
2: doing? Now, you wonder to what? Now, a lot of Mexican restaurants have like a vegan option that's really good. So, usually like maybe like avocado and an enchilada. Okay.
0: I'll be the guy eating the steak burrito across from you. <laughs>
2: no doubt. I got I have no issues with that. I, I expect you to get that. I have no issues. I'm going to go with the fajitas. I'm going with some rice and beans. That's all I need.
0: Hey, but I'm, I'm-, I'm in.
2: The judgment-free zone over here.
1: Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for playing fitness. No free ads. Love it. So for, for one activity though, here's the catch. You cannot tell us to go to Disney world. I know it's in Orlando, but we've been, you got to give us something other than Disney world in your neck of the woods for an activity when we're down by you.
2: Okay. I'll give you two. I, I, I did the, my uh, good friend from Syracuse, he was down and they they live on the West coast part of the state. So they were getting away from the storm. And another fun fact, his daughter actually shares the same birthday as mine. So our birthdays on February 15th. Sailor, we she's my birthday buddy. So we decided to go to the aquarium, the Tampa Aquarium. just a good to go to. Pretty crazy, some of the stuff they have. And then we went to, this is not really for her, this is more adults. What's this place called Armature Works? It's an outdoor place, outdoor mall, indoor type of galleria where they have food, food. Uh, good bars if you're into that stuff good outdoor area for the kids to run around just a chill spot right on the river good time you can't go wrong we had a pretty good time
0: that is perfect i love yeah if i can do an outdoor area with a lot of different stuff going on because i can bounce from a bar over to here i can start looking at the water acting like i'm spiritually thinking that's perfect i'm all in on it and if you're into yoga they have yoga on saturdays i mean i'll try it I don't know if I'm into it, but I'll try it. Give it a shot, right?
2: You got to <laughs> give it a shot. You know, especially as you get older, man. You got to start doing some different things. Yoga's a good one.
1: I love that one, too, because the easiest thing to do would just be sell it out and be like, ah, we're going to go to the beach. But, like, instead, you gave us two good places, not beach-related, obviously near the beach, because we're going to go to the beach anyway, you know what I mean? So I'm going to have to sleep off the steak burrito. Like, he's going to have too many asses <laughs> to take burrito, go sleep somewhere, so we'll just do the beach. Uh, we'll do 10 touches, 30-second rapid-fire question and answer. I got the first five. Mac, who's the funniest
2: player you've ever coached? Greg Langston. He's on our coaching staff now. Really funny guy.
1: Oh, yeah. New addition, right? Nate Champion. Moved on to LeMoyne. Now you got a new guy in joining the family. I love it.
2: Oh, yeah. Greg, Greg all-time uh, great player at Southern Connecticut. Great personality. He's going to be a really good coach. And it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty neat to work with a former player.
1: A lot of years of d3 and D2 for you what's your worst basketball travel experience oh gosh
2: um, we actually had a <laughs> oh, man there's been a few um, <laughs> uh, say up to Vermont bus dying up there because they, like the, they had to shut it off because I guess they had a city ordinance where they couldn't let the bus run overnight or idle. Burlington, Vermont, great place. And I totally get it, man. We're trying to preserve the environment. But but it's you know, negative eight in the bus, once you turn the diesel bus off, it's over. <laughs> like the bus thing's not going to start in the morning. We're like, uh, what are we going to do? We end up having to get like taxis to go to the game. It was a big mess. And I think we got a snowstorm on the way packs up. That was kind of one of those fun ones, and then a couple were bus driver. You get out of practice, and the bus is nowhere to be found. You're just like, uh, "Where are you?" It's like I'm getting food. I'm like, uh, you know, I can wait maybe like, you know, take that to go. But maybe some of the trips, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> what uh, what
1: what's the most recent show you binge watched?
2: Oh, oh gosh. Jack Ryan on Amazon uh, Prime. Dude, I'm you waiting watched, for the second season. Someone recommended it. Dove it. Pretty good. Not bad. Really prefer the Peaky Blinders. Uh, recommend it to anyone on uh, Netflix. Really good show. Can't go wrong. I'm kind of into the TV. and I, Not that I watch a lot of TV, but good shows. I, I, I like good shows. I actually talk to my sister all the time. That's kind of like crutch of most of our conversations now about we talk about T V shows and what you're watching, like, oh did you see the show on Netflix, did you see this on HBO and like I don't have that much time to watch all these shows. Co last last chance to you, which is kinda of wild actually this A little crazy.
1: What would you be doing if you weren't working in sports? Do you think you would have stayed in the
2: classroom? Uh <laughs> probably be a lawyer or a comedian. Oh uh, <laughs> not funny at all. Yeah, not, not funny, funny at, all, at all.
0: But he's gonna be a comedian. I like it. I'm in.
2: I'm gonna bomb every night. I'm gonna get get. On, I'm gonna be the guy who gets on stage and bombs. You're like, we you need let's that go, guy uh, who bombs. Yeah, you need go. Him. We want to go heckle someone. We're gonna go see this guy. Well, you know what? You just
0: open up for the good act, and you bomb. So everyone's like, "Oh, this guy sucks." And then that
1: guy's like, you're funny." The next person. So you're yeah, perfect. You, to, like, you can be a setup guy. Yeah. Uh, last one for me. Other than the weather, what's the biggest difference between living in Connecticut and living in Florida?
2: Oh, the food. No, no question. I, I, no offense to anyone down here in the South, but the Northeast has the best food.
1: Dude, the food. Look, I, I'm with you, man. And I, like, I live in Nashville. We, we, I was in Philly for a long time, grew up outside of D.C. We did one year in Charleston. We've been in Nashville now four and a half years. The Southern food, fried food is good. It's, when you come down here and you're only here for two days, it's awesome. It's great. When all you can get is fried food yes. and you can't get yes. anything else, like, I'm sorry, guys. Like, it's just, it, it's not working for me. Like, I need to go somewhere. I need to get some good greens. Like, I need to be able to get good seafood. You can probably still get pretty good seafood. But it's like, the Southern food is like the most overrated thing in America, I think. It is unbelievable how people in the South defend their cuisine. And it doesn't hold a candle to the Northeast. Not at all. I love it. I love it. I can't wait
2: to bring it. Them. It really Here's doesn't. It, it, it doesn't. It it doesn't. I mean, down here in the south, like my, my I go to my doctor and like he's like, dude, what are you doing, man? Your cholesterol's through the roof." I'm like, "It's the food down here, doc. You know, Jeez, I don't, I'm a pescatarian too. Yeah, you know? and like in the fish down here, it's pretty good. But up up there in the northeast, man, you can get a really good uh, lobster roll, uh, and that's what I miss, man. Anytime I go back up to Connecticut or anywhere up that way, I'm I'm looking for a good lobster roll.
0: Yeah, I think it's we don't have the weather to make us happy, so we have to make sure our food's great because that's about the only thing holding on in the winter. Uh, so let's go to the next one. If you could change one thing about college
2: basketball, what would it be? Huh. God, one thing to change about college basketball. I mean, German's pretty good, 68 teams. That's probably one of those ones I'll probably come back to and be like, I should have handled that one differently. Um.
0: We get a lot of stuff with like the rules and like lately recruiting, but a lot of the stuff with either a three-point line and all coaches have different perspectives and answers. But
2: yeah, I mean, I mean the game's a game. I mean, I guess maybe if you go to like maybe the different hat if you go to like quarters, we have a lot of stoppage in college basketball with all the media there's a lot you want more flow in the game so maybe just really looking at the structure of the games go I mean this they've talked about it forever I mean every other basketball body or organization they're, they're they play quarters don't ask you why college basketball won't change I think we all know why it's probably more media related but you know, it's just a, there's a lot of stoppage with the media timeouts and each team has X amount of timeouts and so there's a lot of stoppage and the replay. I mean, especially when you get to the tournament. Oh, we gotta go to the monitor. Oh, we're going back to the monitor. You really wanna get a full Yeah, let's go back to the monitor. So I I think that's probably one thing I would change. You, what's your best moment as a coach? One championships, but I would say seeing the guys graduate and seeing the uh parents and their families um expressions and then what they tell you afterwards after, you know, they're all done and they graduate. I think that's probably, those are probably some of the the better moments. And then as you get older, you got guys who start to get married and you get invited to these weddings. So like seeing all, we just went to a wedding actually in October, one of our all time best players at Southern Connecticut, Luke Houston got married going back to his wedding and those guys from Southern Connecticut. There is just like, wow. Like you start to think like, if we didn't recruit, we didn't recruit this guy, like, would all this have happened? So it's just life, like, just being like, man, what brings people together? So that's just kind of like deeper levels of thinking. That's probably for another podcast.
0: Yeah, that dude was that dude was good. I mean, your team and I'm pretty sure I'm getting it right was 2014. Like when you guys hosted, I think you hosted the regionals. Yeah, um, we did. Just loaded. Just look. Mal- was Mallory on that team. Was Mallory on that team? Yeah. He was a freshman.
2: Yeah. He was was on that team. Yeah. He was a freshman. He was good, man. Next year, he too. flat out score. Yeah. He could flat out score. I mean, those guys were really good. It was, that was, that was special to go 30 30, 30 and three. And what we did that year, that was just a special year.
0: Oh, dude. You guys were loaded. What's your, uh, what's your pregame
2: routine? Oh, I got to work out. Got to do some type of, uh, Cardio, I'm a CrossFitter, semi now, but I, I like to get to the gym. You know, the whole CrossFit thing is a community aspect, talking to people. So I like to go there, kind of ease the stress level, get a nice workout in, try to get in the zone, listen to a lot of Jay-Z on a daily basis. But game day, all Jay-Z.
0: All Jay-Z. I love it. Keep it focused with just just uh, Jay-Z. Less, last coach who texted you, what did they say?
2: I think the last coach to text me. Uh, <laughs> I get a lot of text messages throughout the day. I've been getting a lot of messages about open gyms, so it's always kind of like recruiting related. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: no, that, this of time of the year, yeah.
2: I, 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 I could get into one, but it's uh, this guy coaches in the NFL. For I'm gonna, I'm now I'm gonna be like cryptic with this. Yeah, one. cool. Let's do it. He coaches in the NFL. Add a team that just lost one of their best players.
0: Oh, Oakland.
2: Midwest, if you could kind of figure out where I'm going. Uh, key player, like a point guard, was like a, a, a shock. Like, whoa, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> like, I have like, no
0: <laughs> idea who that is. <laughs> Hopefully our listeners can figure it out.
2: <laughs> yeah, that one came out of nowhere. Like, uh, yeah, man, you and your family just moved up there from a certain area, like, oh, man, like, how it, how's the backup going to be? It was good backup, good, really good backup. They were solid at that position, and when you take a hit like that, and it happens in sports. That's People need to realize those things happen in sports. It happened to us last year. We had a call from our sixth man 10 days before school started. He was like, I'm not coming back. I'm going to go to a junior college. We were like, what? like that's a difference in terms of like x amount of wins like you, like, you go into the summer like planning on how you're going to like go into the preseason and how you think your team's going to play and we had a good idea because we returned our starting five and six man and we had two sophomores who were really good and then we had we run four freshmen and that was the reason why we brought four freshmen in we were like all right let's four freshmen could we return a lot from this team those guys are going to play a lot and when you take a hit like that that, that, that stings. <laughs> you know, you're like, Whoa, it, you know, you're, you're being caught off guard at the time. We were getting ready for the guys to move back on, back on the campus and to get started with our preseason. And then you get a phone call and you're like scrambling, trying to fill that, that uh, scholarship spot, that roster spot. And that those, that's not easy. And, and in a professional organization, <laughs> you're not going to find too many of those good, good, great ones. Yeah, it, it ultimately
0: comes down to uh, bad luck. <laughs> Good one, Chris.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Moving <laughs> on, next one. Go ahead, next
0: one. Coach Mac,
2: what's uh, what's your secret talent? Oh man, <laughs> I think it was personable, witty. Yeah, I might some some people say I, I'm not. I think I'm more of an idiot. I'm not smart. Talk smart. talk to anyone yeah you want know <laughs> these things happen to me. I'll go to in the grocery store and I'll strike up a, a conversation with the guy behind the deli, the guy cutting my fish, and you know we're just talking about some crazy things. I have some some weird conversations about the, the day and throughout my life. It's just like uh, did I just talk to someone about that I'm like, wow. We've had a lot of coaches on, and we
1: and they uh, they constantly downplay like their talents and abilities. But you, Coach Mac, are the first person who has been on here and called themselves an idiot. I think, like, <laughs> yeah, I think you're the first guy you, that we've had on that's been like, I'm, I'm a little bit of an idiot. I would, I don't know, I could look on Bovada. They might say if we've had more than one or two guys on there, but like, I, I feel like you're the first one
2: that said I'm yeah, an idiot. It's just, yeah, it's just you know, yeah, I wake up in the morning, I look in the mirror, I go, ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> Last one, Smalls. Before we go to party it's shots, two two podcast guests we need to have on. Oh, gotta have my guy, Coach Donnelly, on. Sure, get him, get him on there. Um, next guy, really good friend of mine. He's at Merrimack, uh, Mickey Burtnick. Good guy, made the transition to Division One. Good recruiter. We competed against each other in the Northeast Ten. Just a, a really good friend.
1: Yeah, I know, I know Mickey pretty well from He's the hoop, yeah hoop group days back back yeah. then. And
2: good, really good guy, man.
1: Having having adult sodas with with Joey Gallo and and the boys. So we are good, yeah. I'm excited, good group,
2: man. Those, that's a good group right there. They're gonna do. They're
1: in the NEC this year, right? Like it was they, they transferred just from last year. to This year, right? It's not a one year deal where they're like kind of like a soft landing. They're just in the NEC this year, aren't they? they're, they're there. yeah they're, they're in. They're
2: like, it. They, they they can't compete in any postseason uh, uh, tournaments. But they're there. They're they're, they're they're competing at the Division one level, which is awesome. I'm so I'm happy for him. I mean, when a guy that you come up with and you're on the road, and you guys know, you, you go out to eat with each other, and yeah, you stay with each other at the Final Four, and you're hanging out, and you, uh, you just see him elevate to a certain level. And we're getting older. He's got kids. And you know, we talked about this during the podcast. Things change. Like, family dynamics change, and you get older, and your perspective on life changes. So. Nikki, good friend. I think he'd be a a really good guest. All right. Parting shots
1: last, last segment, same two questions to every guest, uh, Mac, what's the best advice anyone's ever
2: given you? Gosh, be yourself and, uh, don't be afraid to to try. All right. Face to face with your 24
0: year old self. What are you telling that person?
2: (laughs) You're an idiot. No, (laughs) no, uh, just uh be willing to be willing to, to do anything. Don't have any regrets. I heard this at my graduation speech. Billy Joel was actually my my, my commencement speaker. And he just said, Do what you love, follow your passion. And I, I think I'm doing that and I would tell any twenty four year old or any college graduate. You know, we talk about work. If you do what you love, you'll never work a, a day in your life. So I would just say, follow your passion. Listen to your inner, inner voice. Don't be afraid to try new things. Don't be afraid to to jump, take that leap, and just use, using the, the Nike model, just just do it. <laughs> just do it. I love yeah. it. Uh, we love it. We appreciate you coming on. Syracuse is still getting their
1: doors blown off. I think it's like forty nine and twenty right I now. Know. You
2: didn't need. You didn't. You didn't need to remind me. I'm watching. I'm following. My phone's buzzing too.
1: He is Coach Mike Mack on Twitter. Uh, M A K, not M A C. There is also a Coach Mike Mack. That's M A C. So make sure, Coach Mike Mack, just like it uh, sounds, but spelled with a K and uh, Mack. I'm really excited to watch how you guys do at Florida Southern. I know this is a big Thank year you. and a lot of excitement coming up. But we appreciate you joining with us, uh, joining us today, and uh, we'll we'll be in touch, man, and we'll be following you. All
2: right, guys, thanks for having me on. I appreciate
1: it. All right, we'll talk soon.